Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me as always is the maestro of mail-order mysteries, Eddie Guevara. Today's returning guest is the amazing horror magician known as Chuck Caputo. Gentlemen, <laughs> how's everything going? Okay, guys. Great being here today, tonight. Well, Fantastic Chuck, in my side. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Chuck, thanks for uh, for coming on once again. And uh, we were just discussing uh, before we started recording here, you got some upcoming shows and all that uh, uh, starting back again. Yeah, you know what? The shows are opening up, you know, and uh, things are working out pretty well. And I have a few shows coming up out through the uh, the Evan City, uh, Evan City, Pennsylvania area. And so I'd like to pop in maybe like a little earlier. I'd like to visit to the I'd like to visit the cemetery out there, which started all the all the zombie stuff uh, from Night of the Living Dead. So I think that would be kind of cool. And from my understanding, we built the uh, chapel out there, which was. Uh, which you know, I, I guess all the years of rain and so forth, it, it had disintegrated pretty bad. From my understanding, they took a collection and they and they fixed it all up. So that would be kind of cool to look at it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So Eddie, what's what's new over on your end? Uh, well, a lot of things have happening in my end, but I, I have a quick question for Chuck before I uh, sure. explain more. Uh, do they have any dead people that they raised uh, to make that chapel again? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know, but there's a tombstone out there. I like to see the exact tombstone where uh, Barbara was holding on to. And uh, uh, so that'd be kind of cool to check that out. You know, the, the exact same one. I mean, that was 50 years ago. You yeah. Know? And I'm yeah. sure this thing, you know what? I'm sure the scenery has changed, but, you know, but the tombstones uh, should still be the same. Yeah. And for, for anybody out there that, that doesn't know is that the, Opening uh, scene for Night of the Living Dead was was filmed out at the cemetery out at uh, out in Evan City, PA. So it's a uh, a huge place. A lot of people go out to uh, to visit the cemetery and go see the graves where you know where um, Judith O'Day was at and the one that she hugged and everything. And I from <laughs> from what I've heard is that they're pretty cool with people coming out there as long as they're you know respectful to the land and, and the area and they're not you know they're not raising crazy. any dead people. Yeah, no, no dead people as of yet. Yeah, you never know the way things are going. You know, we we might be coming up into our own uh, our own night of the living dead scenario soon. Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, Joe. There's been a lot of excitement our way um, for the last couple of days. I've been building a site that's going to be just for the podcast, and it's built on the anchor platform. So it's going to be a site that's going to work with the House of the Unusual Signs simultaneously or simultaneously one with the other. Um, I'm learning WordPress a little bit, so it's it's taken me like three or four days working on it. Uh, but I think it's coming along just fine. And at the same time, I'm actually going to be putting the very first product that Chuck Caputo has created. It's, it's a phenomenal magic trick. Uh, we call it the gathering. So anybody who's listening, they should be, uh, you know, staying tuned for it because it's going to be on the YouTube channel probably by the end of this coming week. Um, it's a great trick, Joe. Uh, you'll see Chuck performing it, and it's, I'm sure it's, it's going to raise the hair in a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, never, I've never heard of that trick before. The, what's it called, The Gathering? Yes, it's called the gathering, and you know I'm I'm not going to say much about the trick on the air right now because I want anybody that, that that is interested, they'll tune in and they'll you know I don't want to spoil any any anybody you know and uh, build up the anticipation right build up the anticipation <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to spoil what the trick is about you know but yeah Chuck performed it and it's it's a really nice trick uh, you see Chuck has a way of bringing up the dead and things and this is one of them okay. And uh, I guarantee you that by the time you finish and master the trick, anybody who sees the trick being performed will be able to buy the trick on the actual uh, YouTube uh, video. There'll be a link underneath it, and it will take you directly to the eBay store where it's, it's being sold. Um, the, the best thing is, like I said, is uh, you, you will definitely, it's different. It's never been done before. It's a whole new trick developed uh Chuck put it together, 
I got the pieces. We we did a combine a combined effort there, and um, I'm just working on the graphics and the packaging for it right now. So that's why I'm gonna take another week before I list it because I don't want people to buy it. But it's it should be ready by then. Well, um, I just I just have one request. Just make sure my my handsome face is right on the front of the package so everyone could see. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's absolutely you know what a coincidence because. <laughs> That'll really raise the dead. <laughs> that, that'll really yeah. raise the dead. You, well, you'll be in for a surprise, to be honest with you. <laughs> awesome. Funny. Yeah. Look, looking you read forward my mind, to that. Joe. You read my mind. <laughs> so, hey, uh, uh, Chuck, but we were talking earlier. You said you have a, um, you're doing some type of uh, a seminar or, or speaking engagement to a group of magicians in, in Pennsylvania. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It'll be tomorrow night in. Uh, in Beaver, Pennsylvania, and this is for the local SAM, which is the Society of American Magicians out there. You know what? They're they're a great bunch of people. I've actually I've actually uh, performed for them about maybe four or five years ago. So I think it starts about seven thirty, maybe around eight eight p.m. tomorrow night. And uh, so yeah, they they had they had retained uh, they had retained my services, and I'm going to demonstrate some antique slash collectible type of magic. You know, I'm going to show some things that I built and so forth. So you know. It'll be a great night, you know, and they meet like at a really cool uh, type of a restaurant. It's in the it's in the back room. Oh, nice. So it's like an informative and entertaining type of of engagement. Right. Exactly. Like I'll like I'll probably do like maybe an hour and then we'll take a break, maybe 15 minutes or so. And then I'll go on maybe another 45 minutes. Uh, I think the second part, I'm going to actually bring a lot of my novelties, believe it or not. You know, like I had built like a case for it and it. Uh, the doors open up and so forth. And there's a bunch of old time stuff that I had around for uh, quite a few years uh, since I was a kid. So I'm going to actually show that kind of stuff. Uh, that's, that's mainly like a guy type of a thing. I don't think the women there would probably like it too much, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Cause uh, I don't think my wife cares for that kind of stuff, to be honest with you. I think it is more of a guy type of a thing. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? You know what? It it depends. It depends. Cause I've seen uh, the females, are attracted to a lot of the magic tricks and, and jokes and novelties as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually, this kind of funny, I met years ago in the flea market where I used to, you know, go a lot to in the uh, Meadowlands by the Giant Stadium in New Jersey. There was a girl that used to sell there all the time. She was young. She was about my age, give or take. Uh, wife got a little jealous after a while, so I had to kind of break the break the connection there. But <laughs> we became good friends, and she was a heavy comic book collector novelty she she liked novelties more than i did isn't that something i gotta tell you the truth and i told my wife hmm interesting you know (laughs) but um the the whole thing is that there are some girls that are really more into the novelties than we are i've come across three of them in my you know isn't that that something wow it it is very interesting but the other thing i want to ask you uh chuck you're going to be doing make sure your wife films that take with you the tripod whatever it is uh, we like to put that up because, you know, there's more, more important than, you know, any anything you do, any type of event. Okay. Uh, we want to keep, especially in your thing for anybody who wants to hire you, mm-hmm. it'll be good to keep, you know, a, a backdrop of, of all the stuff you're doing and put it up in the channel, you know? Sure, um, sure. Another thing I want to ask you, what, what type of event are you going to do in the cemetery? The, uh, did you talk to the folks there? Well, you know what, you know, this is for like private, uh, there's a couple private places that hire me to do some shows, private parties. So it's not actually at the cemetery, but it's in the, so it's not, yeah, it's not very far from there. So that'll be coming. So that'll be coming up in about a month or so early. And I I was under the impression you got hired by the cemetery. No, 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 that would be cool. No, hey, if if they're listening out there, give me, you know, you know what, give me a call. Maybe we could, maybe we could, uh, you know, hook up and do something. So that would be neat. Well, the only the only way you're going to talk to anybody is through a seance or something. (laughs) I tell you, it would would be cool. (laughs) I don't know who runs that cemetery, but it'd be cool to try to get a, uh, you know, a small screening for, you know, a handful of people of, the night of the living dead, you know, if you could watch it on a um, projector out at the cemetery, that would be really cool. That would be a really cool idea. You know what, back when George Romero passed away, I don't remember, you know, these years have been going by so fast. I'd say maybe four, maybe four years ago or so out here from, from out, out toward Monroeville, you know, the, the Monroeville mall is only about maybe eight minutes from my house. And, and so they had a really touching type of a, his, his picture was up. And they had a like a section roped off, and so people would throw you know flowers in there, bouquets of flowers. 
uh, DVDs of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And so that was up for maybe about a month, you know, and that was kind of cool. It was at the one end of, of the Monroeville Mall. Yeah, that's I, I've been to that the mall. There used to be a comic uh, convention. I don't know if it's still out there at the uh, Monroeville. It's like an expo center or something, but right. I've been out to that, that mall. It's pretty nice. That's where they uh, filmed Dawn of the Dead in uh, 1978 out there. And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty cool mall. Yeah, oh yeah, they just built a big theater in there. There's a, there's a multiplex movie theater they put in there. Uh, I guess the last maybe four years, uh, and it's a, it's a fantastic uh, theater. I forget how many theaters inside, but it's a lot. About a year, maybe two years ago, they came out for the for the 80th anniversary of uh, the Wizard of Oz. This uh, place played the Wizard of Oz movie, and that was cool because it was so nice to see it in its original form on the big screen. I mean, uh, yeah, so it was just so cool because there's things you don't see on TV, okay, you know, whereas you would see it when it's gigantic like that, then you notice certain things. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'm wondering, do they do uh, a showing of Dawn of the Dead at all at the, the theater? You know what? That would be a good question. I don't, you know, as far as I've seen, no, but I mean, but who knows sometime in the future. I mean, that, that may be a possibility. And now with the COVID stuff, I think they're just reopening. So they've been, they've been closed. A lot of these places I think have been, right. uh, have been closed or very sluggish, you know? Yeah. I don't know what, what PA is up to, but today they just announced for Ohio that starting June 2nd, all the, uh, the restrictions are going to be completely lifted. So that's, that's good news to hear. Everything could get back I- to, you know, as normal as it can be. So hopefully PA is going to follow suit. I hope. Well, yeah. in, in, in New York and New Jersey, I think it's like the middle of June, everything's opening a hundred percent. Let me tell one, one thing I want to say to you guys, uh, you know, when we're talking about cemeteries and stuff and, and all, you know, the cool stuff that can happen uh, if you could perform there. Um, two things came into mind. One is uh, uh, Dr. Saab uh, from the group. He, uh, he heard the last episode where we were telling the stories and he goes, man, I have so many good stories about cemeteries that, you know, that it would be great. But I, I don't want to say what they are because he told me there's one of them that's really phenomenal there that I think we can add in a future show. The other thing is I was asking my mom, I said, I said to her, hey, is there any possibility that somebody might have a photo of the cemetery I talk about in Cuba all the time? And she told me that her my, uh, her, my mom's sister-in-law, her parents are buried there, I think. So she went to Cuba a few years ago and she took photographs of the cemetery. So I'm going to reach out to her and try to see, because this is the, the spookiest, creepiest prize cemetery one can have, you know? Wow. And um, I'm going to try to see if I can uh, get a photograph of like the archway before you go into it and stuff. But, you know, I, it's something I would post on the on the channel and, you know, probably under the blog or, or the forum. And, you know, and like I said, one of the good things is also this... Um, we need to try to see if we can somehow develop a way to get a lot more people to attend the forum uh, because we are having quite a few good conversations there. And, you know, I want to see if we can get more, a bigger group out there. So that's something that's going to be in my scope. Uh, so how we can bring more people, you know, to yeah, start absolutely. conversations. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a free forum. So if anybody out there hasn't been to it at houseoftheunusual.com, it's free to sign up. And um, there's a forum and a blog there, and there's a lot of good stuff going, a lot of good pictures. And, you know, we always encourage anybody to contribute, you know, their their stories of, you know, movies, novelties, you know, whatever, pictures, you know, any, anything's, anything's, you know, good there that runs along our wheelhouse and, you know, share it. And there's, you know, we're all of, of the, the same mind there, I guess, you right. know. And, and, and anybody who remembers the, the show, uh, Have Gone, Will Travel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> remember, we also have Chuck. He has, you know, he has a magic trunk and he will travel. And, you know, he's got a new site up that uh, Chuck just sent me a link to. I'm going to link it to our channel as well. And, um, you know, anybody who needs shows out there and parties around the Pennsylvania area, you always got the number one horror magician online here that... Uh, Hey, you know what, Chuck, I meant to, to ask you, you know, and I, I can't remember if we discussed this before, but um, when we were talking to uh, Michael Mesmer last time, he had said that he does a lot of like, um, like prom, you know, shows and all that, like after prom and right, everything. Right. Do you, do, do you get to do anything with, like that with your horror magic? 
I tell you what, the only thing I do for after proms anymore is close up magic, you know, which is going from table to table. Okay. I stopped, yeah, I stopped doing the the actual large shows for proms about twenty years ago. Okay, you know, yeah, those those kids at that age are pretty rough. You know what? And I can handle an audience, but that you know what? They had me starting at like four in the morning for a show. I mean, Ooh. it was like the point where I was thinking, man, do I really need this that bad? You know, <laughs> and uh, you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, uh, magicians for stage shows do not go over well with uh, kids that age uh, the close-up magic going from table to table that goes over very well and you just put your stuff back in your little case and you walk out after an hour or two and you're done you know uh, but uh, the actual stage shows uh, for those kids at that age it does not go over very well you know uh, I, you know what if I'm being perfectly honest with you I, a, a, a hypnotist goes over much better for, for a stage show yeah I was, I, was about, I was about to say that yeah, they're a little bit more, you know, involved with the audience and all that rather exactly. than... Yeah, they the hypnotize the audience. There. The other one doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, kids yeah, so I just have the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, so I basically stopped doing them about 20 years ago because, you know what, I don't need that aggravation, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, you know. Right. And, yeah, so, so I just quit yeah, I just quit doing it. But I'll do close-up magic, which is, you know, what – and if, and if someone calls me for an after-prom, I'll, I'll be, you know, up front with them and explain to them, you know, close-up magic goes very well. And it does. I mean, so, yeah, there are some times that I do – uh, close-up magic, you know, for the after-prom groups, you know what I mean? You know, and you know what, and I'm not saying anything bad about the kids because, you know what, when I was 18 years old, I would have done the same thing. You know, I'd be a little bit, you know, you know, like boisterous and so forth, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's that age, you know, they, you know, it's after-prom, they want to go and have a good time, you know, and, you know, we always went, you know, being in, in Northeast Ohio, you know, we always, after prom, we went up to Cedar Point and, Right. You know, we want to stick around for everything. We wanted to hit the hotel, you know, party <laughs> a little bit and head up to Cedar Point the next day. Exactly. You know? I tell you, I tell you, Joe, you know, me being a magician, the roughest shows, which I can say personally anyway, is is the outdoor uh, county fairs. I mean, I've done county fairs for over 35 years. I mean, sometimes they want you to do three, four, five shows a day. Oh, wow. And it, and it could go on for seven or eight days straight. I mean, so if you do the math in that, I mean, that's like 35 shows in a week. And uh, I tell you what, by the time you're done with that, you are so tired and exhausted. It's like, holy smokes. But, yeah, it seems like the county fairs, uh, for me anyway, they're they're the roughest, especially the older that I get. It's like, man, I can't really I can't really handle that anymore. You know, Chuck, uh, what you're saying about that, I agree with you so much. Because when you go to the Meadowlands Fair, when you go the first day when it opens up, and which has been there like, I guess, over 40 years now, <laughs> you know everything looks good the first day but by the time you go the second or third week that it's there <laughs> people look like they haven't taken a shower in weeks yeah <laughs> you know you can see the workers are, are butchered they look like night of the living dead you know it's yeah yeah crazy and 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 if they hire you for five shows a day they want the five the fifth show i mean like there's been times when people are taking down rides uh behind me and there was like three people in the audience and they said, still do the show, go out there. And they was like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. You know, and it's very hot. I mean, it was like 95 degrees, Ooh. very, very, very humid. You know what I mean? So those, those are the roughest. I mean, I mean, like I do a lot of festivals during the summer, outdoor festivals and so forth. I love schools. Schools are fun. I love kids. Uh, schools are great, you know, uh, but I do adult shows as well. You know, they're, they're fantastic as well. Is, but, is there a big, is there still a market for like uh children's birthday parties or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know what? Uh, I mean, like I'm out of town a lot, so I'm not always here, you know, but if, if, if I'm in town in advance and I put on the calendar, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do a birthday. Yeah. You know what? Birthdays are very, very popular. You know, I don't particularly care to do the real young kids, maybe three or four that could, that could be kind of rough because you might scare them a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I mean, no, well, no, no, I, you know what, for that type of thing, I keep, yeah, <laughs> Chuck ripping heads off in the audience and there's four no, no. <laughs> no, uh, for kids, you know, uh, for kids, I keep it, you know what, I keep it very uh, benign, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but the saw the, this lady in half and they were <laughs> four year old screaming. Oh, <laughs> <mama>. <laughs> Hey, hey, but we talked about uh, Trundle Manor in one of the previous podcasts. Now, now that's a cool place. Now, for a place like that, I could bring all the strange stuff I have. I mean, you know, haunted dolls and things of that nature. That's the kind of place where you could let go. You know what yeah, I mean? But didn't you say that that's closed for now? 
They closed their. Uh, uh, well, they're not closed permanently. It's it's just because of COVID. So you'll, what you have to do is check the website and see when they're going to do uh, tours again. But uh, no, he's not closed permanently. Let you know me. what? Uh, but if you guys ever go out there or something, or if you ever check the website, let me know. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, so make sure you mention my name. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like that to head out there because it's it's not too far from me. Is so. this the place though? Is this the place we were talking about that you said that the, that they're not doing shows? That you're not sure who's running the place, Chuck? No, no, no. That's I think, not the I, castle next door to your house, is it? No, 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 no. This is in Swissville, PA. Oh. Yeah, this is a guy that owns a, uh, like, it's in his house, actually. It's called it's called Trundle Manor, and he has a lot of oddity-type uh, things in there. He has uh, uh, quack uh, quack machines, you know, from doctors and so forth. It's 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 a really cool place. It's very well put together. Uh, the guy that owns it, he goes by Mister Arm A R M. Uh, that's uh, that's an acronym for his name. Uh, his name is Anton uh, Rafael Muriello, so he calls himself Mister Arm. And it, and he just got married about four years ago, and and he invited my wife and I to the wedding. I tell you, that was a cool wedding. It was uh, very unusual, very cool. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at the website now and uh they have it says it's open by appointment only starting April 13th. Oh and then, good. Um, yeah, if anybody's interested it's at uh trundlemanor.com it's t r u n d l e m a n o r.com and mm -hmm. uh, you could get all the information on there. There's they've got up, uh, you know, some basic rules up there for for um for the tours and everything and, and some links and a uh, few photos and everything. It looks like a really cool place. I it really like is. The, uh, the acronym for his wife wouldn't be leg, would it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but you know what? I, you know what? Going back about, I guess, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, uh, my wife surprised me. She said, I have a place to take you for your 40th birthday or whatever. And she said, it's in Swissville. And I said, well, I, I practically grew up there. You know, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to hang out there because that, that was right next to where I lived. And so I'd go bowling at the, at the bowling alley out there and everything. So I said, what on Swissville? I can't, I can't picture anything. So uh, she took me way up in the hills up there and pulled over. And I seen this cool looking mansion almost. I saw, uh oh, and so that, that was how I got, you know that was how she how I found out about the place because my wife surprised me for one of my birthdays. That's awesome! Yeah, that'd be oh, yeah. that'd be cool to get. I wonder if they'd be up to to come on the uh, the podcast here sometime what? and talk about yeah. the manor. Yeah, you why know what? We, uh, contact them. Why don't we get a trip and uh, drive down there, uh, Joe? Me and you. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll meet Chuck now that everything's opening up. I mean, we can yeah, that would be that well. would be cool. That would be cool. And I think that'd be nice to do do a live podcast from even inside their manor, you know, with everything around. I, that would be it, really it would it would be really great. It'd also be possible. I mean, not for not a, not exactly a live podcast, I guess, but uh, a live special. You know, we could do one of those uh, things we do for the YouTube channel because uh, the podcast would have to be obviously recorded. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to tell you is that that definitely would be the way to go, and uh, that's what we were talking about. As things are opening up, it'll be great to you know, do some type of convention towards the end of the year there. I spoke with David. He was all for it. And and maybe Mr. Mike Mesmer. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do uh, towards the end of the, you know, for October, this coming October, which by then everything should be fully open and functional, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking at the, I'm still looking at the website. They got a cool picture of a car. It's called the, the Trundle Hauler. That's cool. You know what I'm yep. talking about, Chuck? Absolutely. That is so cool. Yeah, it looks like some type of Mad Max vehicle from like maybe the 40s. Oh, yeah. You know what? He has the coolest stuff and he's a very inventive guy. I mean, he builds a lot of stuff and he, he'll uh, fix things up and he so, does a really great job. Let, let me get this. So what it is, is he has a house that he turned into some type of uh, oddities museum. Yes, that's correct. Uh huh. That's kind of, isn't that kind of like what Forrest J. Ackerman used to do with the Acker Mansion in California? <laughs> he had all the collectibles from, uh, you know, every universal monster around. I guess, yeah. Yeah, he used to, yeah, open his house up to the, the public you know, to see his collection. The, the sad part about it is when he passed away, you know, they basically dismantled that house and sold parts in, to wherever. <laughs> wow. Came. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of it went up for auction, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the items. I yeah. actually owned something from it. I forgot what it was, a couple of. 
but I do own something I purchased long, long time ago on eBay for from the Acker, you know, Acker Mansion House. Yeah, I know. I know there was some stuff on eBay years ago. They were auctioning. I was watching. I can't remember what one item I, I missed out on on bidding. Somebody sniped me right at the very end. I, I think it, was a it wasn't me, Joe. Yeah, it probably was you. <laughs> yeah, that sniper bidding is rough. I know that happened to uh, me <laughs> quite a few times on things. Hey, there were there's one place I always wanted to visit. Now he passed away. This guy was it in Michigan? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, he had a bunch of uh, coin operated machines. Uh, uh, he was a retired pharmacist. Uh, was his name Marty, maybe, or something, if, if I remember correctly? Uh, but he had a really cool type of uh, a, a, a big place that he bought just for that. And so kids could hold birthday parties there and stuff. But he had a bunch of uh, old vending machines, I mean, ranging from uh, fortune tellers to the arcade games. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or what, but I think it was in Michigan. He passed away. And from what I hear, the family took it over, and I certainly hope that that's the case because it would be a shame to close this place down. Yeah, I'm, lo I'm looking it up right now. It's called Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. That's I it. Believe, that's it. I believe. I'm not sure if it's American Pick. Yeah, I think it's American Pickers. They visited that museum. Okay. Oh, really? I think so. You know, you can look it up if you've got a computer there, Joe, but I think a while back, about a, two or three years ago, I think American Pickers went to that museum. Oh, that place looks so cool. I would love to see it. Yeah, I'm not oh, seeing anything on their um, website about American pick pickers. You know, one, but, one man, the, if you look at that, that front page photo, that is like, that's heaven in there. I mean, there are so oh, many like, old fortune teller machines. Exactly. And, I mean, it's like, it is, it's loaded. It really you know, cool. You know, a lot of pinball. Know, if, if you guys were to go up to Lake George in uh, New York State, where I've gone up with David about three times or so. There's a house there called the House of Frankenstein. It's been there since, it's a museum. Wow. But it's been there since 1971. And I think when the, they opened it up or something, Sarah Karloff actually was there um, mm. for the opening day or something. But what I got to tell you is, though, that museum, not only is it, the, the whole facet of it, like the front of it, is beautiful. I, I could post some pictures of me in front of that place, but it's really nice. But when you go inside, it's not like a haunted house or anything. It's just, you know, you walk around and they have uh, like, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the old haunted house, dark rides that you walk through where it's kind of dark and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they're like long hallways. But each, when you, as you're walking down the hallways, the, each corridor has different sceneries. You know, like they'll have like the, you know, remember that thing we talked about, the Pepper's Ghost, where Absolutely. back in the 1920s, they have a Pepper's Ghost illusion in one. They have another one where there's like a gorilla, a lady transforming into gorilla. Oh, that would be cool. They used the other one. But there is one particular one there that has, you're looking and there's like a picture and stuff. All of a sudden, a ghost appears out of nowhere in the midair and it floats around and it, it you know, flies up and let me tell you, it's so realistic. I must have videotaped that like 10 times. Wow. When I was there, because I love that particular thing. But one thing I'm going to tell you that's phenomenal is like the whole area itself is really, you know, Victorian style houses. I think the boardwalk there's got to be like maybe 10 blocks long. It's not, it's not a big place. It's a nice, quiet place to go to that has a lot of history in it. And, um, but that's one of the things, you know, that I think uh, when you're talking about museums some places you could go to that are really nice, uh, I guess every state has one. There's even one in, in Massachusetts. They call it, I don't know, wait, wait, I don't know if it's Massachusetts or Ohio, but there is a museum of robots. It's called the Robot Museum or something. Ooh, that would be cool. It is cool. This guy's got a life-size Robbie. He, he's got like 4,000 robots in there. Wow. And and it's super cool. You can actually, if you go online, you can see a virtual tour of the entire place. I'm going to check uh, that out. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's called the Robot the Robot Museum or Robot, robot Museum. Something. You know that I, I contacted the owner of that to see if he had ordered the, the robot plans. And he sent me the ones I have. Okay. Said, no, no, I'm not one <laughs> That but, would be uh, that would be cool. I'd love to see that. Oh my goodness. Well, there's that there's that robot museum in um in Mansfield, the Mansfield Memorial Museum. It has the uh the electro 
Oh, the uh, Westing, uh, George no, Westinghouse. No, no, that, Westinghouse robot. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I told you about. Uh, don't you remember, Joe? I told you that where Electra was. Yeah. Was searching for him. The guy who put it in that Mansfield Museum, which is about what is it, two hours from you? Yeah, that, give or take. Yeah. Yeah, that robot is the original Electro that was found in the house of the guy who built it way wow. back. The son had a head, and the son was under the impression that it was an extra head they built. So then he found out in the in the backyard of his dad's house or something. Wow. He found on top of a pickup truck that had been there for 50 years, the body of Electro. Isn't that I something? You, I, I contacted back in the 80s, I contacted the Westinghouse Museum, the archives, and I contacted Charlie Ruck, which was the guy that ran the archives up in Massachusetts. And he sent me, oh gosh, about 20 or 30 original photographs of the robot, and he sent me some type of plans and, you know, how they built the original. And I went and I was trying to get it built, and he even offered me $15,000 to try to reproduce it. But I mean, it sounded crazy, but they're the minimum, I think the least I got a call was like $75,000. Yeah. But then after my search, and I thought and someday hoped that I had found it, which most people thought it had been melted. Because if you read several books about the robot, they yeah. tell you that, that it was melted back in the 1950s for the war. But when they found it, well, you know, the, the guy in the Mansfield Museum got super happy, obviously, because the son of, uh, which I think his name is, um, I mean, I have his, I actually have the, the guy's phone number somewhere here um, where I, you know, I contacted the owner's son and I told him, man, I can't believe you found that. And I had been looking for it for so many years. But I respected that it was him who found it. You know, at least he he had a right over me because obviously he's the son of the guy who built yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and, now we, we live here. We live down in Wilmerding, Eddie, and, and and this is where the Westinghouse, one of the uh, the Westinghouse museums is. That, that's what you were. Well, that's the one you told me across the street. Yeah, it's an old thing that we were talking about. That's the right, right, the right. Man. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's the one you got confused with. But yeah, this is a place where it's been open. Oh, over over like ninety years, and they just recently closed, unfortunately, and it's and it's just sitting there more or less because they, they used to hire me for uh, for Christmas shows. I mean, they would set up uh, Christmas trees and trains. It was really cool. George Westinghouse's walk-in, uh, his his vault is still there, all of his patents and so forth. You know, uh, so yeah, yeah, that's a cool place, but it, it hasn't been open in recent years. And uh, so sometime if you'd like to maybe contact them for a possible, uh, you know, I told some type of a, yeah, that would be, that would be kind of cool. But I've always been fascinated with the robots. I don't know if you know it or not, Joe, but I just recently built one out of, uh, out of tin cans. It's uh, my, my wife filmed it. Eddie sent oh, me, really? yeah, Eddie sent me a, a picture of, of a cool looking vintage tin can robot made of, made of coffee cans and uh, cans and different types of small, oh, small tomato cans. And so I was always fascinated with that picture. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try and build one of these, uh, but, but the one I built moves, he, he'll turn his head back and forth. He smokes a pipe. The, the pipe uh, <laughs> blows smoke. Nice. Uh, yeah. You know what? He, he even performs a card trick. He's only about maybe 19 inches tall. So he's a tabletop thing. And I kind of patterned it after Westinghouse's uh, Sparko because there's a little dog there. Also, so if you have a chance, check it out on YouTube. We filmed it about, I guess, about three weeks ago. It took almost a month to build this thing. I mean, the wires inside is ridiculous. I had to put, there's a lot of motors, a lot of servos, uh, you know, things of that nature. It was a very, very difficult project. I, uh, Chuck, I was actually going to upload it uh, probably in the morning tomorrow because I already did upload it. I just got to, you know, put the oh. right in um, to put it on so people could have seen it. Uh, because that was your latest invention there, you know? Yeah, um, it was a pretty difficult uh, thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually working on a, on a, on a YouTube special of uh, Chuck's, you know, apparatuses, you know? All the inventions of Chuck Caputo, the legendary Chuck and his inventions. Uh. And I'm going to be putting it up uh, pretty soon. I'm actually, I'm going to be working on it for like the next month uh, to do some unboxing of some of the stuff that Chuck has been gracious enough to let me get you know um but overall you know when you're when you're talking about robots uh, i mean oh my god that's that's something that i 
I, I love. I mean, they, I love robots probably more than that's the second thing next to the novelty field, you know. Sure. Uh, but you know, especially one of the things that Electra was well, so well, here. Here you go, Eddie. If, if you had an island to go to of all robots or all mail order novelties to re- live the rest of your life on, where would you <laughs> go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's a hard choice, but uh, I got to tell you. The only thing that will make me go to the novelty one is if they had a, a limited amount of seven foot ghosts there. <laughs> but um, but I think uh, that that's a really hard choice, you know, Joe. Now that you actually asked me that, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. What one island would have every robot you know ever made on it for you to play with, to take apart, do whatever, and the other island would have. Every mail order novelty made that you could do the same with, and you could have to choose one island to live the uh, rest of your days on. That would be a tough one, huh? It, it is a tough one. I don't think I would ever be. I, I, like, I'm thinking right in my mind, and I'm like, wow. Well, no. Here's what you do: is you go to the you go to the robot island, and you take apart the robots. You put one, them together so that way you could put it in the water and cruise over to the. <laughs> The mail order island. I like that idea. That's a good that's, idea. That's a good idea. That's a good. You know, uh, one thing I'm going to tell you guys is, uh, I'm actually, I, I mean, the the more I think about it, the the more that uh, it might be unlikely, but I actually have uh, in my mind. I was thinking one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to mail a letter to the the guy who did the original robot plans, the the guy who's the son. They contacted me many years ago, and um, I still got the P.O. box, and I, I'm going to mail a letter to him this week and see if, if I might have gotten lucky that he came across a set of plants and totally forgot about them. You need, you need to hire Indiana Jones to find these plants for you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, really. You know, it, it's I, – I mean, the, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's, it's amazing <laughs> that we're talking about a piece of paper that was sold for at least 10 years. That means they must have sold hundreds of them. Yeah. Because there's no way that somebody's going to be paying. Because an ad that was about two inches by three inches is was at least back even in the 70s, at least three dollars $400 a month. Okay. There's no way you're going to tell me that this guy is going to be running ads month after month after month for something that wasn't selling. What really baffles me is you have, I mean, you find patterns that women used to make dresses with and stuff like that, mail order patterns. Mm. You find um, robot instructions for 1940s and stuff. And you're going to tell me that nobody has a set of these plans out there in their house or their basement or somewhere. I mean, yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible, yeah. And that's why I find this so, I mean, especially with eBay, that I have gone out there. I have offered all types of money and I have tried to speak to, I forget how many collectors. Have you offered up your firstborn? Listen, I think they still couldn't find it. It, It's, it's kind of crazy, but it's like nobody. I've had people say, Oh yeah, I ordered it. I ordered it. Not one single person has the darn thing. And the only one that does claim to have it, which I believe he does is a bubblehead. You know, you know uh. what I'm saying? That's the funniest thing about it. But the whole thing is, I'm just dying to see what they look like. You know, sure, <laughs> at least sure. Dr. Saab made my dream come out uh, by a percentage by building me a prototype of what the you know the thing could have looked like. But um, based on the you know the picture from the ad, but the whole thing when we look at it, it it's amazing how some things are just so elusive you can't find them. Oh. And I guess every collector has that. And, and one thing I'm going to tell you guys that, uh, uh, you know, talking to Dr. Saab one time that blew my mind. You know that Dr. Saab, Chuck, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, has every item ever made by um, Ten- Tenyo Magic. All oh, really? Okay. He only needs about nine to complete the entire 500-something piece. Collection. Wow. That's so cool. he's got every Tenyo Magic trick ever made. That's cool. That is cool, and that would be phenomenal if he would do a, some type of a video with that. Yeah, some type of demonstration. You know what? There's a, there's a few of their effects that are really ingenious. I mean, there there really are. There's 
you know what I can I can think of about maybe maybe ten or twelve of them that are absolutely amazing. See, uh, there was an Austrian magician that had collaborated with Tenyo for quite a few years, Luber Fiedler, and this guy. If you search him on YouTube, Luber Fiedler, he passed away maybe about seven years ago or so. This guy was an absolute genius. I mean, some of his ideas are just unreal. If you watch him, you will absolutely be amazed. So he he was involved with Tenyo for about the last maybe maybe 20 years or so. Last 20 years? Yeah. He, oh, the last 20 years of Tenyo. Well, here's a magician you could bring to the cemetery since you say he passed away. He could be... <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, that's probably why I, I know. See, the thing with Tenyo Magic is even though the, you know, there's two versions, there's the version that they did out of obviously China or Japan, wherever it came from. It, yeah, it was uh, it, it was Japan, China, right? yeah, no, Japan. Japan, okay, that's written in Japanese. Now, those boxes, even though they're Tenyo Magic, they're not as collectible because they do have Japanese writing all over it and stuff, right, and, right. But the American versions of the Tenure Magic, they're more oh, like yeah. the original ones. Oh, yeah. They're very hard to come by. And let me tell you, I myself paid for the floating rock, which is, you know, the rock I'm talking about. The oh, that's oh, that's a great trick. That's a wonderful yeah, I trick. I paid for that, you know, that trick, which has got to be when it came out. Uh, in fact, David told me he used to sell it in his magic shop for like about uh, 10 bucks each or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, right. I paid $102 for one. Yeah. To, I mean, it was crazy just to get one of them, you know. Now, I have I have quite a few Tenure Magics. I'm not sure how many I have. Uh, I bought it throughout the years. I bought some of the the Haunted House and, and Spooky Effect ones that they had because, right. you know, they're cool. They're really cool the way they look and everything. But I, I got to say to you, though, the more, you know, I look at things and stuff, I, it just blows my mind how some of these things today – are worth yeah. so much money and you wouldn't even have even thought possible. I mean, and, and this is a crazy thing. If, you know, we always say, hey, you know, if I would have known, right now we know. Right now there's things coming out and we don't buy them because we don't think we're going to, it's going to be worth anything. We keep making the same mistake over and over. You're right. And then a couple of years, uh, a good example there is, um, I forget what it is. I think it was the Dark the Dark Knight series of Batman, where they did the, uh, a couple of, of comic books based on it. Mm -hmm. The first edition ones, which came out like in 1995 or whatever, and they're still right now reproducing. You can go and buy probably a set for about 40 50 The first edition ones are like five $600 a book. Wow. And, and it just, and I, I mean, I have the first edition set. And I, I couldn't believe how much it's worth. So I, I said to myself, how is that even possible? But yeah, you have a lot of things that are just, uh, people are just spending crazy amounts of money right now for collectibles. You're uh, right. I mean, a good example, the secret book safe sold in comic books. I've sold a couple for a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just phenomenal. The amount of people, I mean, nothing now. It's it's just amazing the stuff that we had, or we just have even even stuff we have today. Like, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that? No, no, this book that I bought in the flea market, I guess I paid like four bucks for it or three bucks, I don't even know. Uh, Fast Times at Richmond High mm -hmm. would sell for freak, you know, 500,000 bucks. That's insane. Wow. And I sold mine for a little bit over $325. That is hard to believe. Wow. It was hard to believe. I was like, what? It went right out the door, man. That's crazy. But um, I, I mean, I just recently sold it on eBay a couple of weeks wow. ago. Wow. I just, I just found a game uh, that I had packed play. I forgot all about it. You know, I, I got closets packed with stuff, which I'm sure you guys do too. I found it the oh, other yeah. day. Uh, hang, hang on Harvey. Do you remember that? Hang on Harvey. Where you where you got the little pegs? It's almost like for plunk, but there's a little guy that that's that's hanging by these two pegs, and you kind of pull them up down out of the holes, and he'll he'll cascade down, down to the bottom. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was made in 1970, I think. Maybe I remember the game. Yeah, I remember the game. It was kind of. I think that came around the same time as Don't Break the Ice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hang on. And I and I still have my uh, thing maker uh, from when I was. 
that surprisingly, and it's in really good shape. It has all the molds. It has the heating plates, you know, we heat it all up. Of course, all the goop, all the goop containers are there, but they're not, you know, but there's no goop in there. It all dried up. Yeah, but the thing is that that goes for over a thousand bucks if you see it, especially if it's in really good condition. Wow, is that uh, right? No, wow. Yeah, it, it definitely does crazy amounts. Um, I mean, any game, any like for example, right now, say you want the ghost gun. The I think was what was it the the company that made the ghost gun was a Hasbro, uh, and this was a, the, a ghost gun that it was kind of funny though the way it worked, and I think we I talked about this in an, another episode a long time back. One of my shows back of uh, first season, we were doing the podcast. Um, the way the, the, and this Hasbro, I think it was Hasbro. In fact, Joe, look it up on your computer. I think it was Hasbro Ghost Gun. It was a gun, looked like a, like a sniper rifle or something like that, right? And, or a machine gun. And what it did is it had a slide, it had a flashlight inside. Uh, yeah, a light bulb it, it, from a flashlight. a picture of a ghost. Yeah, yeah, and it, you saw a picture of the ghost, and the way the ghost worked, it was it was slides that had like each of them had like ten ghosts on a slide. Oh, and I know what you when, mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, when you yeah. pulled the trigger, this is the funny thing about it. When you pulled the trigger, the way you shot the ghost that you saw on the wall was that just like a paper punch, it would punch a hole <laughs> in the slide. So you only could use the slides, you know, once or twice, and, and that was it. Wow. And, you know, you had to buy more slides. But um, that was how stupid that was. I mean, you would look at the ghosts, and when you shot them, it was basically punching a hole in the actual slide, so then you couldn't use it again, you know? Um, that thing goes for a couple of hundred dollars right now. I mean, I do have about two of them. One of them mm -hmm. doesn't have a box. One of them is still new inside the box. When I was a kid, I remember I, I wanted my mom to buy it for me. And that was I when I mentioned one time, it was like the best Christmas I got. Well, I got the Haunted Mansion game. I got the deluxe uh, TV magic set. Uh. Which I did an unboxing of one I purchased and found out it was not complete. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I bought that and I wanted the, the ghost gun and my mom didn't, but it was $10.98. I still remember the actual price on it. Wow. And, you know, and today... I looked at one on eBay recently, a couple of weeks ago. It was like two hundred and seventy nine dollars. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's oh, yeah. it's phenomenal, it really. Is. Who's that guy? Way back in the maybe the early to mid seventies, was it Ron Popeil? I mean, man, that guy was a master of selling stuff. I mean, from the from the pocket fisherman to to like just about everything else you can imagine. Remember, he used to have all the commercials would come up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and one of one uh, one of the guys also Maxwell Smart. Remember the guy who, who played Maxwell Smart? What was his name? Oh yeah, Don Don, Don Adams. Adams. Don Adams. He used to go to the Skittle Shootout, Skittle Bowling. Oh, oh, I remember that Skittle Bowling. You know, yeah. there was one. Let me let me see if you remember this, Chuck. Because I don't think we I talked to this. Oh, I talked about this with you, but there used to be one that Don Knotts would walk into the stage. And it was shaped, the game itself, I, I thought it was uh, Skittle Shootout. But then I think I was wrong because Skittle Shootout was actually another game. But what it was, it, it was kind of like a, a triangular red game, okay? And in, it had, in each side, had a ball with a pendulum. And then there was a target, a, a black and white uh... target that would move across electronic, across the center of the game. I think and, I do remember that a little bit. Yeah, yeah you, you would hit the ball and the ball would push. And if the target would go, let's say you turn the target to the other side, you get the point and then the other guy would hit it. So the way it worked, you had a pendulum mm -hmm. and, and there was like a plastic thing with a ball in front. And you anyway, that game, I saw it. I had it as a kid. I lost it in the fire. I forgot the actual name for it. I only saw a picture of it years ago, which I actually printed out. I've been looking for it. Hopefully, I can find it to prove the existence of the game. Everybody remembers the game that I talked to, but I've never seen one on, online at all. Not even a picture of one. Wow. Online. It's also been one of those elusive things that I have tried to get again. Um, my, my wife, I think a few years ago, sold one in a flea market in a church. And she didn't buy it for me. I wanted to kill her. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> you, you know, but the, the whole thing is that that game with the moving target, I think it's, I don't know the right name for it, 
and I'm, I was thinking it was mm-hmm. Kendall's shootout. Mm-hmm. I, it might have been something, moving target, whatever. But I know Don Knotts used to come on and play it mm-hmm. uh, on the TV commercial. So when you look up Don Knotts at Skittle Bowling, Skittle, they bring everything, like 40 different games that he put out. And that's the only one that doesn't show up. And the, oh. the only thing I remember, he used to have a target, just like the store target, mm-hmm. that had a, a little round thing in the center, the outside target, and it would move across the thing electronically. And, you, you know, you hit the ball and it would knock it over to the other side or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's another thing that it's it's in back of my mind in my search. You can't seem to I find it. Happy ju- just even if I found a photograph of it, which wow. I did, which I did find a photograph of it a while back. I remember printing it out. Uh, I just don't remember what the heck that photograph is, you know. Isn't that something? I think I think when we were kids, we all had mousetrap. I remember, man, when I was a little oh, yeah. kid. Oh, yeah, mousetrap is, yeah, that's... That's, that's a, yeah, that's a staple of uh, childhood there, yeah, you know, mousetrap. they mouse still trap. make that today, yeah. They still make it today. And back when I was a kid, way back in the early 70s, my parents gone up. Remember that? And it took me years <laughs> to, it took me years to figure out that's ping pong spelled backwards. You know why? I never figured it out until <laughs> way later. Isn't that something? <laughs> You, you know what's really crazy about that game? Can it, can I, I have one in my storage. I saw it the other day. Yeah. Um, I don't even know why I got that. I think it was just because it was an old game, and I bought it. I, I was looking for uh, something for Dr. South. Because, see, Dr. South wanted something he ordered as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it just yet because I sent him the box, and it, it's inside. So mm-hmm. I know he's going to be listening to the show tomorrow. So I don't want to, like, you know, spoil the event. But... um. I spent almost the last two weeks taking, dismantling half of my storage. <laughs> you know, everywhere. Here where I have my office, my other private storage, looking for this item, and I couldn't uh, across it. It was crazy. Wow. And and, uh, and I'm like, I, I know I have it. I know I, it's here. I have it. But anyway, the point is that um, sometimes things like that just disappear from the history books. And then you go like, what did it say? Yeah, but, you know, that's the whole thing. That game, if you remember the name of it, Chuck, because you got it. I mean, there was always on television. They used to advertise it like crazy. Yeah. If you remember the name of that game or what it looked like or who put it out, let me know because maybe that's Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hey, I'll do some, you know, I'll do some checking around. Vaguely, it does sound familiar. You know, and I remember Don Adams would would walk in uh, with a trench coat on, and he would demonstrate whatever games and so forth. Right, that was, right, I, yeah, that goes back to the early seventies at least. Yeah, wow. th- that's what I'm saying. This was in the seventies. Mm. So what it was is, there were the kids were playing, and Don Adams came in the door. He said, "What?" And then he would he would get on, and the moving target would move across the thing, and he yeah. And I don't understand. Even when you look up on YouTube, Don Adams games. Mm-hmm. All you have are the Skittle bowling, Skittle mm-hmm. this, Skittle. Now the Skittle shootout that I thought that was the name of that game. Are you talking about elect electronic detective? Electronic detective? No, 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 no. This is we're talking about a triangular game that you you played and it was a battery operated. Each side of the game had a plastic like a wedge, let's say like a plastic gun that the way you shot it, it had a pendulum, a ball hanging from the uh, from the top, mm-hmm. and you you hit the ball to the other ball that caused the ball to shoot. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm not explaining it correctly what I'm it's saying. Not skid, it's not Skittle poker. No, it's not Skittle poker, but it, it has the same mechanism like that. It has an actual moving target that's shaped like the target logo from the store target. Mm-hmm. It looks exactly like that. The only thing is that it's um, folded in half because it it moves across. And then when you hit it with the ball, it's supposed to tip over to the other side. And um, mm. and the game, I, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know how to explain it right now, what words to use uh, to explain the design of the game or what it looked like. But I mean, Chuck, remembers what i'm talking about because yeah vaguely 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 i do it does it does sound familiar and and i could visualize it what you're saying yeah it's it's just i don't i don't i don't remember the name of it or anything but that's something if anybody listening remembers the name of this game yeah contact uh, eddie (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've looked at i've googled moving target games 
I Google electronic target games from the 70s. Um, pendulum bowling. Uh, I mean, there was, a, there was a ton of Skittle games out there. Bingo, yeah. pool, baseball. Right. There's pendulum pool. Yeah, and you see how you see how the pendulum pool is? You yeah. see how it has the little ball hanging and you hit it? Well, it's the same thing, same principle, but it has two of them and it has like an archway on each side, like the archway, the center of the archway has a, uh, a chain. You have the ball that swings and then you lift the ball up and you hit that that balls that are in the in the in the plastic gun or whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. uh, plastic piece. And the ball shoot across to the other side, but in the process, there's a target that's moving in the center from right to left, you know, like that. Yeah. And and you would hit the target, and then it, it flip over to the other side, and when wow. they go into the end, that's how it was. I, I mean, it was a great game, uh, but I just wish I could somehow get a picture of it, you know. Yeah. Hey, I know one thing. We had the coolest toys growing up as kids. I mean, oh, really, yeah, we did. Definitely. Wow. You know why we had the coolest toys, uh, Chuck, for two reasons. One, we grew up in an era where uh, the introduction to the video games was happening. That's when Atari was was introducing Space Invaders and Pac-Man. And you had the first before those, you had the uh, ping pong games that were out there. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of like in the, like when me and you were very, very young, we didn't have uh, calculators, or we didn't. In no. fact, to get a calculator was super expensive, and you had two versions. You had the red and green lights, right? And then, and then that um, grayish uh, numbers—I forgot what those were called. Mm-hmm. Where, where you know, then you know, you wouldn't get a calculator or a calculator watch that had the the vivid. Uh, LEDs, you know, with the, which was red or, or green, or I think you had the two choices, of red or green. But then they had the gray, which was like a sandy background that was gray. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, that we still have today in many, you know, in many watches and stuff like those cheap watches you buy in, in Kmart or Walmart sure, or whatever. Sure. Um, and I remember that in 1970, in Christmas, they gave me a calculator that was huge. It was oh, they, were, they were gigantic. They were gigantic. Yeah, and, and it was like, I think, 30-something dollars for that. That was a yeah. lot of money for a calculator. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I thought it was like the greatest toy in the world. In fact, the calculator, Chuck, me and you were, uh, we were born with, uh, were the ones they used to sell in mail order. Remember the one for a dollar that were called the Addy Machines? Yeah, yeah, right. You stick the little metal pen inside. and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if not, do you remember the ones you that were handheld? And yep. You had the the four little thing, like say for example, say four plus four, and mm-hmm. you had to press the little knobs in the top. It was like a little plastic thing. You remember those? Oh, oh absolutely. That was neat. Yep. <laughs> they were cool. So we had that's we had the that's coolest. Where, yeah, the coolest toys were because of that reason. Because we were born in an era where it was kind of like when things were just being invented. Were being invented. So, yep. Right, and I so remember we had the basic board game. And then the electronic parts of those board games. So it was phenomenal because there were so many new things coming out yep. that we always had new things every year, you know, and we always look forward for the latest invention. Yeah, you're right. Right now, there's so much things out there that it's kind of like, let's bring the latest innovation or latest uh, mm-hmm. thing to what's already there, you know? Oh, absolutely. There's new things coming out, you know? Hey, how about the old tin toys? I remember going into Woolworths. When I was a kid, they had the coolest tin toys, and and those things are very collectible. Pre nineteen seventy, they are. You know, you they're know all metal. They're all metal. You know what? They hey guys, about? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut it off here. We're we're down to almost a minute left uh, in the podcast time. Wow. Definitely- yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. You ruined the fun, guys. <laughs> time definitely flew by. So next time we'll pick up on on, on tin toys because yeah, there's tin toys. That's great. I mean, there's a lot to get into with with tin toys, and I, and I love those vintage, you know, tin toys, especially the you know the sci-fi ones. But um, Chuck, want to thank you for for joining us uh, once again. Hey, it's and, always uh, a pleasure. Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. Good luck with all your shows and your your events coming up. And I uh, want to thank everybody out there in podcast land for tuning in to us uh, on your favorite platform. Make sure you subscribe to us. Give us a good review. 
Check out houseoftheunusual.com. We have a lot of great stuff there. Eddie just revamped the website recently, so it's very user-friendly. We have, a, like we mentioned earlier, the forum there that you could sign up for free and uh, you know, talk with some like-minded individuals, give us some show ideas, and if you want to be a guest, you know, that's the place to uh, let us know. Also, go over to YouTube. Tons of new videos on there. Just search in House of the Unusual. It'll pop right up. Uh, check out our videos, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, and you know, leave us some comments in there. And uh, once again, thank you everybody for tuning in to us. Chuck, Eddie, thanks a lot for being here, and good night, everyone. Okay, good night. Thanks, guys. Good night, guys.